I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jim Ryan, we hardly knew ye. This is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Chris String, and Andy Robinson. Folks, it's been a, a very busy, random uh, Thursday. Chris, how are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, we ran a big event yesterday, and I'm. It was a uh, the games industry shop is HR Summit, which is as exciting as it sounds. Actually, no, it was quite exciting. It was quite cool. We had our best place to work awards as well. I hosted it, so I'm feeling quite tired, but. Uh, happy is the answer yeah <laughs> yeah well you being back here you've once again uh, become top of the league in terms of uh, guests on this podcast surpassing ethan lawrence so oh, the, I see. The, the title race is on is that is that is that my nemesis yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> andy how are you yeah all right mate yeah um writing about some video games this week right which was nice video games. yeah Ridiculous. that was nice um yeah, yeah been, been writing about um my alan wake trip um which i went to recently which was very very old school felt like i was do you know it was it was really um uh you know kind of pleasing to see dozens of people comment like oh this is like a old school magazine feature because yeah. that's what it felt like you know it felt like an old school event where you got to interview the whole cast and you know all the development team and play four hours and and then it's like right what am i going to do with my 18 pages um with this but at the same time it was a bit depressing because it was like well is this significant now i've just written a preview about a game and it's like wow this is like a magazine piece (laughs) that's just what previews are aren't they yeah although i mean to be fair it was that's what i thought as well when i was reading it especially with like the the little inserts it's just because i put some cross heads on yeah you know (laughs) pretty much Um, but we'll talk about Alan Wake 2 later and some of that footage you sent, which was um, some of the goriest stuff that I, I really wasn't expecting. But it has been a very big week. Starting with story number one, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan is stepping down. This was confirmed last night in quote, Sony Interactive Entertainment today announced that SIE President and CEO Jim Ryan has made the decision to retire in March 2024 after almost 30 years with the PlayStation business. Uh, to support Mr. Ryan in his transition, Sony Group Corporation President, COO and CFO Hiroki Totoki will assume the role of Chairman of SIE effective October 2023 and effective April, 20, uh, effective April 1st 2024, Mr. Totoki will be appointed interim CEO of SIE. Now before we get into uh, some of the quotes around this, Chris, did this come as a surprise to you? uh no <laughs> no um, it, um, i mean i i didn't know it, playstation stone it's not even just playstation it's sony execs of any leadership they tend to be about five six years ten years um jim isn't a young man um and uh and you know 
in an interview I did with him a little while ago, sort of during the pandemic, you could tell that the pandemic was actually a bit of relief because it meant that he didn't have to fly. Well, I mean, it wasn't, it was not good, but it, it, he wasn't, he didn't have to fly to the US all the time. Um, I, I had a chat with him once just before an interview I did where he said he does missed a few birthdays and things as a result of it. So I, I could got, I very much got the impression that he was, he was, he had a, he wasn't far away from, from saying goodbye. And, um, and here it is. Um, so no, it didn't surprise me that he, he's he's retiring. I was expecting it at some point soon, um, because you know, Andrew House I think was six years. Kazharai Kazharai went further up management, but he was about five years as well. So it's not it's, it's sort of in in that sort of ballpark. Um, Jim cited uh, difficulties judging uh, juggling his home life uh, in Europe with the responsibilities in North America. As you said, quote, after 30 years, I have made the decision to retire from SIE in March 2024. I've relished the opportunity to have a job and I love this very special company, working with great people and incredible partners. But I found it increasingly difficult uh, living in Europe and working in North America. I will I will leave having been privileged to work on products that have touched millions of lives across the world. PlayStation will always be part of my life etc and so on andy this was a lovely get out of bed at thursday and on a wednesday night situation but yeah. again a surprising one or natural it's order very sim- symbolic of um uh, of jim's reign that he made me get out of bed at 11 p.m for a very uh u.s uh, time zone targeted announcement um it, it is literally only playstation that does that as well by the way um yeah you know I'm, again i'm not going to say anything exciting exactly what chris said if you look at the reigns of the previous um presidents and ceos it, he's within that he doesn't look unusual he's not a young man um you could almost like sense as chris kind of alluded to you know, during his time that it was you know wasn't much fun trying to you know bridge the the atlantic ocean all the time with his responsibilities um so no, I'm I'm not surprised to be honest. Um, you know he's he always seemed like a safe pair of hands. Um, you know he's he's got the console out; it's doing really well. You know nothing's fallen apart. At the same time, nothing particularly original or exciting is going on. But yeah. that's clearly not his mandate. Um, now's probably for someone else to come in and then you know kind of hopefully um, contribute on top of that. It's interesting with these CEO changes because Andrew House instigated the change where PlayStation was going to become a global entity in the US, right? And then he left, like, and then and that became Jim <laughs> Ryan's thing, and that's what that's his accomplishment in a way. Is he centralised PlayStation? Um, but it was something that started before him, and what he started is this move to live service and mobile, and sort of well, start, he just started talking about that really, and PC and um, that sort of movement. But he's not going to see that through either. So he's going, he's going, he sort of started all that off. Developers are working on it, and now it'll be the next person to come in to see PlayStation transition to that thing, and um, and that's the thing that interests me because. PlayStation's CEOs have always been people that were there at the start. You know, Jim was there at the beginning, as was Andrew House. You know, they were there right at the birth of all of, of PlayStation. We we not we get, we going to get that these times? That was thirty years ago. Yeah, do you know and what wonder- that crossed my mind as well? Is that I know he's he's not got a great reputation with a lot of the uh, PlayStation fans. I mean, he loves a gaff and stuff, and uh, and obviously he's done some. Um, there have been some unpopular decisions during his reign. Um, you know, closing Japan studio and stuff, which I don't think is specifically tied to him. However, it did cross my mind that, well, you know, if if this guy's unpopular, the guy who comes next is not going to be a 30 year old, like 30 year company veteran, almost certainly. 
Um, it's probably going to be a marketing guy from the US who's going to absolutely double down on everything that personally I find un- particularly un- uninteresting about PlayStation. Um, it's going to be more very, very Western, you know, AAA safe games. Yeah, I don't. It's I. I, well, I but the thing is, I think, gonna, think... I think they're just going to look more and more like Xbox, and I don't I, mean I'm... that. I don't mean that as a as a as a um a, a, a negative thing necessarily. I mean like you know some deviation would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean they used to they used to bring the flair PlayStation. I mean I'm being the old man again, but they used to you know come up with the the, the hugely original stuff, the the regional flavor. Yeah, and yeah. Just well, the I, last f- f- uh, kind of ten years, they've just been slowly moving more towards just being uh, the the American company. Yeah, I, I miss the old, I, and I've had conversation with Jim with this many times and it's just the way the industry is now it's almost impossible to it, they view it as sort of they can't continue like that but the old localized like you had europe and japan and the us and they all basically did their own thing and europe that's why invisibles was a thing and it's the way japan studios it <laughs> because invisibles is popular in spain so europe going so yeah we'll keep doing invisibles but the us didn't care and japan didn't care but now it's all centralized those decisions are going well no we're not making a game that's just popular in spain and it's um and you've got that you've got that sort of um and i think but i think that's what made it popular in the first place playstation was that regional thing and i think what they're trying to do is is have their cake and eat it be globalized but the problem with that is decisions took too long and this is the point they've often made is that you know if a big platform-wide decision needed to be made you need to get europe on board you need to get japan on board us on board and by moving it all into one, they can go, right, we're going to head in this direction and then and do it quickly. Um, so I understand why they did it, but I do think they've lost, potentially lost something along the way. But, you know, um, I, I don't think the strategy will change because I don't think you can, what are you going to do? Somebody, I don't think it's like Xbox where they went, right, changing all of management, bring someone else in and we're going to scrap all those games they were working on. So, you know, they're not going to come in and go, right, you H Studios making live service games, you're not doing it anymore. Like, I don't think that's... Um, that's going to happen, but it's um, it's a difficult decision from Sony to decide, you know, who they bring in because you might want to bring in somebody from the outside who's got live service experience and mobile experience. Um, some maybe maybe even used. I reckon Risatella will be out of a job soon. Yeah, Phil Harrison's about, isn't he? Um, <laughs> What's Don Matrick up to these days? <laughs> Uh, the biggest transfer saga of all time. Um, Chris, is this a good time for him to step away? PlayStation's position seems pretty strong. Yeah. They've, they've maybe not got a ton of stuff announced um, that we know of, but surely like their lineups are pretty set for the next couple yeah, of years. Yeah, PlayStation don't have much of a... They don't seem, we don't know what their slate's like post-Spider-Man, really, but they, when you're this dominant, you know, Star Wars is a PlayStation game, right? And Call of Duty is a PlayStation game and FIFA is a PlayStation game. You know, they don't necessarily need the exclusives to drive things in the way that perhaps the other platforms do. Um, but uh, it's it's actually, Ryan's tenure has been hugely successful. Right? That, that console's grown its market share of anything. It's uh, that pla- um, uh, They're more profitable than they've ever been. Their game's still getting great reviews. They're doing extremely well. If, you know, it is it's an enviable position to have i think if um to be in so um i, I can't I, it, there's never a good time to leave particularly in the games industry where everything's changing all the time i think but if you're going to leave now it's probably the time to do it um mm. rather than at the at the end of a platform gen- console generation or the start of a new one andy do you think that the the next leader will be in the phil spencer mode of kind of uh he's your mate he's a gamer just like you he's a bit more front-facing that always seemed to be a criticism of ryan compared to uh, phil spencer 
Um, no, I don't see why they would rock the boat if everything's working, to be honest. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't see what the incentive would be for that. I don't think... Is the, I don't necessarily... Is there any, like, actual... Chris, you might know this. When, when Jim Ryan would come out and say these things that would go crazy on Twitter, like, why would people play old PlayStation games and all the Believe in Generation stuff, did that have any material backlash in the real world, or was that an exclusively Twitter centralised I, I don't I don't think Sony care. I mean, a lot of the times, those sort of... And the thing is, contextually, right, you need to think about... Because some of those questions, some of those quotes are things I, from interviews I did, right? And I would ask the question, and it, I would go to... And it, it would trigger an answer. And in the, in the, like, we believe in generations is a big thing that people throw around quite a lot because obviously then they made a load of games accessible to PS4. But that was kind of a retroactive, that was a few issues on that. It was like PS, PS5 didn't, didn't, because of the pandemic, didn't hurt. So they had to sort of course correct. But also, he didn't mean every game was going to be a PS5 exclusive. It was like, it was, it was off, it was taken a little literally. And I often think sometimes that if you listen to the context of what he's answer, you think, like when he said, oh, why would you play that old Gran Turismo game? Um, was His point was about, he was trying to defending backwards compatibility things. But it was, but, um, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think so. I don't, I, the thing is, with my, like my understanding, and obviously I don't speak to everybody at Sony, and I'm sure there are people there that hated his guts, but um, uh, PlayStation UK used to call him Uncle Jim, right? The, um, the um, uh, Andrew House called him this, his secret weapon and sort of the secret behind his success and all this kind of stuff. You've got Shahid, who uh, used to be the indie head of Indies at uh, PlayStation Europe. He's just done a little tweet about it. But he actually was in, in did a keynote talk back in April calling Jim Ryan his hero and his inspirational leader and all this kind of stuff. Like He was well-liked internally, from the, at least from the people that I know. Um, so I, I don't think it was... He's not, he's not... He just doesn't have the PR sparkle of Andrew House or the sort of gamer cred of... Uh, but actually, I'd argue that actually that's not the job of the manager. <laughs> the job of the manager is to look after your teams, make sure they've got everything they need to deliver the things that they need to they want them you want them to deliver, and um, and then let the t- let the game let the let Insomniac and Herman Holst and all those people talk about games and and titles. The CEO's job really is to run a business. I I can't you know from the track record recently I can't see it being anything other than a US pick. Now it's going to be exactly it's going to be a Zelnick style guy with a six pack. Um, who's excellent, <laughs> excellent at dropping zingers, you know, during yeah. conference calls. Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll always remember Jim Ryan from that Gamescom press conference when the camera crash zoomed into him and he could clearly see it on like a monitor or something like that because he got a big fright and it was in the middle of talking about the Was PS4. that his first one? I th- I, that's the first time I remember seeing him up on, was, on stage. He was given like... He was given three days' notice, I think. Some, I can't remember the exact time. It was really short notice that he was having to do that press conference. And he was, he's <laughs> never done anything like that before. Right? And he had to stand in front of a huge audience and present PlayStation. And I just, I was, it was, I, he was not a public speaker. And it was, um, yeah, I'd love it. I didn't, I didn't know about that camera. Um, yeah. That's not come up. I'll maybe I'll talk to him about it. You should. It's, it's an iconic moment. Um, well, another great Jordi in the video game industry down uh, story number two this one just happened uh sega has cancelled hyenas and some other unannounced games and development uh quote uh, this was choose on thursday following a review of the games business uh, in response to the lower profitability profitability of the european region we have reviewed the title portfolio of each development base in europe and the resulting action will be to cancel hyenas and some unannounced titles under development um this was surprising because hyenas has had closed betas it's had like 
press events it seems to be almost there and they are just cancelling it as it's about to get out the door andy how did this strike you when this when this dropped about an hour ago i wasn't surprised uh again so i know it sounds sounds like the big the big i sound like the big know-it-all um but you know i've been hearing things about this game for a i mean they've been working on this game for ages right yeah um i'm pretty sure they lost the creative director um very recently they lost an exec producer um it's one of those those uh, i mean it's not that's not uh you know always a red flag but it's this project a new project for them with a new team um in a new genre with you know high ambition high expectations they've been gestating it for ages trying to work out what it is um i mean you know uh, it's gone undergone big changes it was like a looter shooter at one point i think and then obviously it moved towards like a more destiny type thing and um i mean whenever i saw it i thought it looked great i thought the art direction was great um i thought the concept was great um i you know i mean from that point of view i'm a little bit sad uh, because i was looking forward to it it's also really sad obviously for the team because when you go and work on on you know kind of game development like i did it, it becomes really clear that you know, there's only a handful of people really making the broad creative decisions and everyone else is, you know, it's the worker soldiers, right? And those are the guys who lose out. Lots of people have lost years and years of work now that's basically in the bin and maybe their jobs, um, probably for little fault of their own. But coming back to it, yeah, I, I think they're probably just pulling the, the Band-Aid off at this point. You know, they've been working on it for ages and ages. Um, you know, clearly they weren't happy with whatever progress it was making. I mean, it's very, very telling that they had a beta very, very recently, actually, um, which, you know, you read into that how you want. I mean, they're probably using that as some sort of test bed. Yeah. It's- um, I spoke to someone that um, was told by someone working on the game just this past weekend that, oh, yeah, we've got future closed betas planned, we'll get it sorted for codes and stuff like that. Like, it's... It seemed to be pretty out of nowhere. Um, Chris, what, what, what did this strike you as? Obviously, the issue with the game, I don't know. I, I've skinned, I like the look of it. I probably was never going to play it, but I liked that. I liked what I saw of it. My um, the market's really hard right now for video games. There are obviously these huge, big tentpole titles that are doing ridiculous numbers. But unless you are, um, you know, Harry Potter or Star Wars or um, Zelda or whatever, it, it's really difficult launching a new IP in a competitive genre, you know, when, when the going's good and the pandemic's all, fl- and it, the industry's growing rapidly, it feels like a great idea. When you've got the situation you've got now, where engagement's dropping, sales are falling for those sort of titles, publishers are, ha- in, in, inflation's going, you know, causing every, all costs to go up. Some tough decisions are going to have to be made. And this is happening across the board. You know, these, these, you saw, you saw what happened to Immortals of Avian. Right? It came out, it's a similar thing in my mind. It's like, I thought it looked all right, that game. I don't know if it actually was or not. But it came out and it got to number 83 in the charts. Like it just, nobody bought it. It was an EA title. It shouldn't be doing that. Um, but it was, um, and you've got the, what happened with the Callisto Protocol. It actually didn't do too badly in context of the market, but wasn't anywhere near what they wanted to. Some of these some of these games make me appreciate more and more uh, how well we actually did with ukulele. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I remember at the time being a little bit disappointed that we only just sort of like broke the top 20, I think. But then we like sold a million and you look at some of these that would have had much bigger teams, much bigger budgets that are coming in the top 90. Christ. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough because gamers are going 
you know, we've got less money. We're going to focus in on these big games that are going to take 200 hours to do and that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it's, it's just hitting. There, there are exceptions, like loads of exceptions, by the way. It's like they're not always, not always the case that they're, they're struggling, but that they sort of middle market is, is really under pressure. And, um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I'd be interested to know what else they've cancelled from the European regions. So that suggests what two point studios, maybe, or, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's that? The humankind folks. There's there are other um, studios there. Microsoft and cancellations, and you're seeing layoffs across the board now. Thousands of thousands of staff being laid off across companies because partly because they overinvested during the pandemic, but also because- it's it, every single. It's almost it's every other day now. I'm getting uh, messages saying, "Oh, I hear there's layoffs at this company, layoffs at that company." It's it's really ridiculous. We haven't seen a particularly big collapse yet. I guess um, volition is probably the biggest. Um, but I think there's probably something. I think coming. there'll be more coming, uh, especially oh. you, you hit the nail on the head there. The Embracer, especially, you know, last I heard for Embracer, you know, everything was up for sale. Yeah. Um, you know, budgets were being frozen, projects are being cancelled. I don't think we've heard the last of that at all. No. Um, and it's all, you know, stems from, you know, really greedy capitalism. It was unnecessary, unnecessary situation. Tons of these layoffs are unnecessary um you know it's it's the pandemic boost you know resetting slightly you know it's not lower than it was before but just stupid short-sighted uh business planning well, it's all, you know, I, and, I, and again it's the people's jobs but i'm going off on one now but it's people <laughs> people who lose their jobs they pay for that right yeah. these, these idiots in charge of these companies how can we get the next 12 months up slightly but this is oh, this is they're coming down again. Let's fire all these people, and it will well, go up a bit more. But although I agree with you, it is it is partly capitalism, right? And this is what I thought was ridiculous. You know, we all knew, I did a piece back at the beginning of the pandemic how things are going well, and how at the end of the pandemic the objective has to be not to maintain the success we were seeing at the peak of the pandemic, but to try and grow, um, try and just grow, make sure we're bigger than we were pre-pandemic. And that's I did this piece about it. Um, but there was this rea- reality that if you're owned by shareholders and you've got investors, they want you to make more money each and every year. And you can't tell them that, oh, yeah, in 2021, we're going to 2022, we're going to see a 10 percent drop. And in 2023, we're going to see a 15 percent drop. You can't say that to investors. And so that's what that causes people. How are we going to make more money post pandemic? I know we've got to spend the money now bringing loads of people to try and grow that way. And when it didn't work, which we all knew it wasn't, they're going to have to lay those people off again. And it's, um, but I just find it, I find the, the fact that we all knew this was going to happen. It's, it was, it's, it's just frustrating. Embrace is a little bit more of a specific situation because what they were doing was um, uh, just growing and growing and growing and growing and buying lots of things and incurring more debt and stuff like that. And when the inflation went through the roof, nobody wanted to buy anything anymore and the debt became worse. And, um, and then when they didn't get any, just they didn't get another in, in, you know, from savvy group, a load of money they had to, um, they've now have to, they now have to build, turn themselves into a sustainable business. And that's why. Um, oh yeah. shit. Yeah. We have to, we have to do it. What? <laughs> I thought we were just like doing fantasy business. What's well, something? Got, I think there's like six publishers within Embracer Group, right? I just like I find that I find that so. Well, you don't need six publishers. Um, you sort of and it's and it's as but you and but they they kept buying them. You know, I have the same thing with Microsoft in a way because they they if they when the Activision Blizzard deal goes through, they'll have three publishing divisions, and it's it's you don't need three. Um, and they and those things are where. <clears throat> And whereas when the going get, when the going's good and the money's being made, nobody questions it. But when things are tough, they're going, hang on, why do you have three publishing divisions? I think one will do, right? And that's when the cuts come out and it's 
it's painful. Um, I don't mm. think the games industry is in trouble in any way. It is, it is what it is what we call brutally call a correction, but it's um, it's a uh, it's definitely a tough time. Do we do we worry for Creative Assembly? Um, their next game is out in about two weeks' time. Do you think they'll get by on? Total War, um, it said last August that it was working on a new action game and another unannounced project. Did we presume that those have also been killed, Chris? Um, I think Total War is a pretty safe bet. Um, I think, you know, they've, they've got a, a successful franchise people like. Um, uh, whether you get this situation there where they're sort of, they're growing, they've gone, right, we've got, really got a hit series. We've got, we'll, we'll, that's what I mean. I think the I think the studio is perfectly safe. I think it just means that. Um, but they may have to, you know, if they can't reassign people into other teams or other jobs or get spin up another project quickly, they're going to have to, um, uh, I guess, reduce their headcount. I, I hope yeah. they won't. That- Actually, just as I asked this, uh, I've seen on Twitter that um, members of the uh, hyenas team are starting to post that they're looking for other opportunities. So it seems that. Um, this is the natural sad next step um, of this. How much of a how much of an impact on creative assembly do you think this will have, Andy? Um, I mean, again, I mean, it's, it's speculating is is tough, especially when we could find out by the time this podcast goes out what it means. Um, but f- you know, from my understanding, I I always thought that studios like the European studios, the PC. Specially, specialized studios like um, Creative Assembly were paying Sega's bills for a long time, right? You know, Football Manager, uh, Sports Interactive, and uh, Two Point Studios, and all those guys—they they are steady, reliable, you know, uh, hit makers in that space. Um, again, it's super sad and it's, it's frustrating that from the capitalism point of view because you look at all these guys here that are posting they've lost their jobs. The vast majority of them, it's not their bloody fault. You know, some it's there's a, this happens because there's a lack of direction, you know, a lack of leadership, um, you know, and that's not their 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 fault. No, but sometimes it happens because, uh, and then you've got things like wars in Ukraine and stuff, where it's actually out of everybody's power um, and um, pandemics and all this sort of thing. It's just um, not to forgive leadership in any way in this sort of situation, but it is it is a. Um, <clears throat> the market's changed and that wasn't again this is the thing this never used to happen in video games video games now got so big that the world affects it like 10 years ago when there was like market you know challenges and uh, the market crash and this kind of stuff video games did fine just carried on because it was a small niche in by in, in by global standards and um and was um and you know a sustainable audience and did some cool things with families and stuff like that now games are so huge that if there's a recession or economic turmoil or high inflation or um, it, it, we we see it and we feel it and it's just games industry is no longer immune to these global pressures and a game like and that's the problem you make a game like hyenas how long is in development for five six years whatever so five six years ago it seemed like a safe bet and then and then then it just stopped being it and you get that across I'm sure they I'm sure I mean I'm sure I'm not making this up but I thought it had load of like um destiny veterans working on it so you look at it five six years ago it's like yeah that's a banger we got some destiny guys working on a destiny game and imagine now imagine like, now trying to commission a game where you go right what game would you commission now what is a genre that's underserved or looking like it's up and coming and stuff and you think will it still be relevant when, we, when you launch the it's next been going on for you. i remember 15 years ago when do you remember when every company was making a world of warcraft yeah 
like EA made a ton of or, them. Or MOBA. By the time, yeah, by the time they came out, or MOBA came afterwards, yeah. But by the time these World of Warcraft clones came out, they'd all be shut within like six months. Yeah. Yeah. Then it was, mm. then it was MOBAs and then it was, um, uh, it was, it was Destiny else. loot shooters and, and it was, it was, it goes through these things. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Um, thoughts with everyone affected by uh, these changes. Story number three. Uh, it's a very VGC story. Hideki Kamiya is leaving Platinum Games. Bayonetta and Wonderful 101 director has announced that he'll be leaving the company next month. Uh, the company's vice president and co-founder said on social media that he had made the decision after, quote, a lot of consideration based on my own beliefs, and they suggested they will continue to make games. Platinum said, regret to announce that Hideki Kamiya will be leaving Platinum Games on October 12, 2023. We are truly grateful for his creative ideas, leadership, and contribution to the growth of Platinum Games from our startup to this very day um andy what do you think about this um uh it's a uh, it's a bit suspicious isn't it um, yeah strange isn't it i've not really got any answers i mean I've, I've asked around um it's always difficult to get um to get information on on japanese business dealings because they're very very hush hush by their nature um but i mean there's certain things that i think you can you can look into as flags like um he was promoted to vice president just last year um he's very very clearly staunchly a um game creator doesn't want to be his businessman um at the time he said that wasn't going to affect um he's he's position at the company um i was uh, hold on no sorry no yeah sorry i've just seen this pop up in my feed sorry to interrupt this it says uh ign is reporting the entire hyena studio now faces redundancies massive cuts across the company that's sad um, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to Kamiya. Um, he's he's obviously he was working on his third superhero trilogy game, uh, Project GG. That's been going on for a couple of years now. So he's left right at the you know conception, pre-production, whatever stage they are of that game. He's left it, which is not usual. Um, he was the most powerful creative person at the company. His co-founder. Um, and also this um, coincides with a year ago, um, they got this new um, kind of CFO in from Nintendo, uh, Yamane-san. And he's uh, a very no-nonsense business guy. He used to do third-party relations at Nintendo. And from my dealings with them, um, I mean, also I, I interview them a couple of times a year. I've been to Platinum twice this year, um, visited them in person um you you could sense the difference you know he was very much professionalizing their operation um you suddenly you've got five prs in the room talking points can't talk about this you know etc etc you know we're redacting this and that wasn't the case they very much felt independent before which good thing for them like they they've been unprofessional in a lot of other ways that they needed sorting out like in in publishing they've been trying to self-publish um so, I mean, I've heard lots of different things from people I speak to, but I get the feeling he's quit. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of politics in that area of the Japanese games industry. Um, obviously, they've all left Platinum. I'm um, not Platinum, sorry, Capcom originally. Capcom's on the doorstep. Um, they, um, their previous CEO left under shady circumstances, allegedly, um, and has ended up back at Capcom uh, making... The some of the Resident Evil remake games with M2, his new studio. It's there's all lots of politics swooping around there. I would not be surprised if 
you know, you read into this, if, if Cami is not really happy with the, the direction of the company, it's coming more professional. This is not why I, I joined here. It's not fun. You know, I'm now a business guy. This is other business guy breathing down my neck. I'm going to go and do something else. I mean, there's no shortage of money um, if you want to start a studio now, especially in Japan. Uh, the Saudi money, the Chinese money is, is every. He would have. I have heard from people who have um, had been uh, you know, middlemen who have been messaged, messaged saying, can you put me in touch? We want to give him some money. We want to make him an offer. Um, but from uh, from what I hear, I don't think he has left because of an offer. I think he's just left, which is is sad, really. Um, and it presents a massive challenge for Platinum as well because their entire lineup was built around him. They're making bloody, like, you know, 8-bit uh, style, a whole line of 8-bit arcade games, you know, which is uh, it, which is purely him. Yeah. Um, you know, they're making Bayonetta, more Bayonetta games than ever, you know, spin-offs and stuff like that, which, you know, again, is him, this big superhero, you know, trilogy-ending game. I don't, you know, I mean, there's still lots of talented people there, especially, um, uh, is it Torasan? I might have got that name wrong. The guy who made um, Astral Chain, he's seen as the 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 young the young star um so maybe he'll now step up but certainly it's a big challenge for platinum um not just in terms of production but also how popular he he was in the west to western players yeah. do you think there's an issue that should cameo um start a new studio those kind of people that are at platinum that are hurt there has kind of foot soldiers the people that are super influenced by him will all leave and just go and work with him like has kind of happened with like the the Donnie that was running Yakuza that has left and made his own thing a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely think that that's what could end up happening and will probably end up happening. The other thing you have to uh, say as well is that obviously um, uh, Shinji Mikami is floating around as well because he's just quit Tango. Shinji Mikami was um, Kamiya's uh, boss, was his mentor. They've mm. worked on games. Yeah, they, in fact, uh, Mikami's son co-founded Platinum, I believe, it made what Vanquish and he left quite quickly. Um, but they worked on Resident Evil together. Um, they worked on, I'm sure there's, there's other stuff they've worked on that I'm, I'm forgetting. So do they end up going and doing something together? There's a NetEase studio that's, um, been one of the many, many Japanese NetEase studios that's been, uh, founded by, um, kind of ex-Resident Evil Dev My Cry guys. Does he go there? Like, I mean, he has got all the choices in the world right now. And I think the real loser here is probably Platinum. Well, he also... Isn't Kamea's made a lot of Nintendo games as well? And Nintendo are investing a lot in spinning up teams and studios. Maybe even a, a, an old traditional one. Um, Could do. Might be. That'd be an interesting clash. Oh, uh, I don't think it'd be an internal Nintendo studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more time to block people on Twitter. Uh, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we have more news and some Alan Week too. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we are back. This next story is a funny one. Um, A statue maker called Gaming Heads is claiming that Sony has told them to destroy all their PlayStation stock. Um, This company, if you're not aware, they made statues for like The Last of Us, Jack 3, God of War, all this stuff. But they published uh, an open letter um, to Twitter, uh, (laughs) which not only uh, seems to blame Sony for uh, the the decision to destroy the stock also name checks and gives the contact information of uh, playstation group's commercial partners which we will omit from this quote we've worked with sony playstation for more than 10 years to bring you some of the best video game collectibles and been trying hard to get them to change their mind they know you have paid your hard-earned money for items that are ready to ship to you and that are in production but unfortunately after doing all we can they have told us not to ship your orders to you this is a quote from sony apparently our business priorities remain unchanged um, it told that they told pre-order customers to contact Sony for their refunds, not Gaming Heads. And uh, now on the Gaming Heads uh, Facebook page, it's a lot of people saying, "I paid hundreds of pounds for these statues. I would like a refund because you're cancelling them." And Gaming Heads have responded by saying, "It's a shame that Sony has cancelled your statue. So why don't you go and deal with Sony?" Andy, this seems incredibly strange and. Uh, Surely this is uh surely this falls on gaming heads and not Sony to to make up the money for these people. No, it depends what the contract says, right? Um Yeah. I mean some of these companies are like it's a bit of the Wild West. Um I mean I remember when we were at Playtonic we did a deal with um I think they were called Triforce. Um they were like a fairly decent sized like statue, you know, premium statue company. Um I mean, obviously, the main one now is uh, First of Figures, but the mm-hmm. other one was, tri- I'm sure they were called Trifles. Like, they were the two. And um, we were doing a ukulele statue with them, and we, like, we really invested in it. We got, like, a, a guy to, um, like, one of our modelers to make a model, and you know, we had a minimum order of, like, something stupid. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Chris is holding <laughs> it up. Yeah, I've got it on the desk behind me. He's, like, bringing out the punchline uh, before I get to it. Um, and they just went missing. They just literally, they went, like, like one day they stopped replying to our emails and then we found out people weren't in their jobs no more. Where is it? Where is it? it literally, that was it. We just didn't hear from them again. And then, um, uh, and then like a year later, a couple of years later, I think I was actually at VGC, so it's probably a couple of years later, um, people reported these statues turning up at like Filipino markets and stuff, <laughs> for like a tenner, like finished statues that were going to retail for like probably over a hundred quid. So if you go on like Filipino eBay, you can like pick one up. I've got one on the shelf behind me, so Chris has got one as well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it depends. Depends what the contract is. I don't. I don't bloody know. It's so strange. It's also very. Uh, I mean, if they wanted any chance of working with Sony ever again, you potentially don't uh, dox a member of uh, Sony's uh, team, Chris. Yeah, I. Well, I mean, anything I don't know. I don't, what's there's a reason for this, right? What? what what's yeah. the, and there's, they don't tell you. And so I'm. I'm a bit like, well, uh, licensing disagreement of some description. But they've they're clearly if they felt they were wrong they've been wronged you'd expect them to sort of tell you how they've been wrong but I it is a bit 
is unusual. I mean, the way it normally works is that you get the refund from Gaming Heads, and if Gaming Heads genuinely has been let down by its licensing partner, they'd have to probably sue Sony for the money or something. It's a. I also find these, and I, I, I've got first figure statues. I've got, you know, I've got, I've got the Zelda one. I've got a Banjo one, and you um, see, so you spend hundreds of pounds for these. And you pre-order these in advance, and they get manufactured. And you get delivered them sometimes years later, and it's. Um, and I understand why, because the cost of these are so high, they can't just afford to just manufacture. Hope they sell them all, but it's um, it, it does it does create that element of uncertainty um, because something could go wrong, and then you end up you yeah. spend the money and it's gone. It's uh, the it was weird. This is complete. This is completely based on Twitter chat, but some of the replies were like, "You sold, I think it was like a Tomb Raider figure, and it turned out terribly, and you didn't respond to any emails." So maybe like the actual company's a bit dodge, but that's. Uh, that as we say in our story, we're we're waiting to hear if PlayStation replies to any of this, or if this is just uh, a licensee being a bit strange. Uh, next story: MetaQuest Three launches in October, uh, October tenth. You can get a uh, one twenty eight gig headset for one hundred eighty quid, five twelve for six twenty. Uh, this is a mixed reality headset as opposed to just a straight up VR of the MetaQuest Two. Chris, uh, what's the VR market like these days? Do you think this will do all right? MetaQuest 2 seemed to do very well. It's, the, it's my favourite of all of them. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, it's um, because obviously the VR market did quite well during the pandemic. It sort of spiked a little bit. Sony then came back in. There was a lot of excitement around what PSVR 2 could do for the VR market. I don't think it did huge. Um, I don't know where that leaves things. It, it, it got to the point where VR games were profitable. But it is. It was felt. I don't know. In in this in a in a world where people, I don't know. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I, you know what? It made me go. You know what? I should probably look into how VR stuff's doing. Um, I can speak to GFK and find out some hardware figures around what's going on there. But um, uh, you always get like a bit of a boost around Black Friday. They always tend to be like they tend to like like knock hundred quid off the price of these things around Black Friday, and then they have a little spike around it. But I don't. I don't. I don't know what's going on with VR. It, it feels. It does feel like there's a lack of. It doesn't feel like PSVR 2 was quite the exciting boost that everyone was hoping it would be. Um, no. And, um, and we've not really had anything. Because Sony barely mentions it. You never, like, PlayStation VR is like... I mean, I called, it, I called it at the time, didn't I? It was absolutely right. I'm going to blow my own trumpet right now. Go on. PlayStation VR is not a PlayStation initiative. It's a Sony initiative. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, this thing might blow up. We should probably make a VR headset. Well, there's some synergy with games there. Should put PlayStation on it. PlayStation never seemed like they gave a shit about that product at all. It's a Sony initiative. It's a lovely piece of hardware. Mm. It, it, is, it is really, really nice hardware. But yeah, I think that Horizon game will be the biggest thing that ever comes for it. Um, the During Meta Connect, which I'm sure we were all uh, thrilled to attend. Hold me Zuck, back. Yeah. The Zuckmeister announced that uh, Roblox Optimized for VR is launching in Quest, which seems like a no-brainer because Roblox is bigger than the games industry uh, xbox cloud gaming is also coming to MetaQuest 3 and they have a service uh which is eight pound a month that you can get vr games kind of uh monthly i found that for vr stuff it suffered a bit of the mobile game situation where like people weren't super thrilled to pay full game prices for vr experiences um which was i i've, I've 
it also reminded me of stadia when people would get vr headsets and talk to me they'd be like oh i want to try out beat saber i want to try out all these other things and it's like yeah well it's it's full price games do you get the impression that software sells well on vr chris or is the attach rate pretty low i think if you bought yourself an expensive vr headset you're probably buying the games um mm-hmm. but, um yeah i have to say though what i will say i quite like i i went to a video games event recently that was really quiet like there wasn't a lot going on there was very few gamers there at all the the most popular booth i seem to think was the c smash booth which is a psvr uh game and it was and it just always had to have somebody playing and it looked it was like an awful lot of fun but i find that stuff's really quite i would queue up if i'm at an event and it's a big vr thing and you've got like it's all set up in a brilliantly perfect environment and i'm given a bat and i think oh i'll go have a go on that that for me is a decent vr experience i've been to a star wars event and i had a star wars experience i went to a room and it's like this is really nice i i kind of lose the appetite when i have to set it up myself in my room and oh because ultimately i'm playing them 15 minutes and then i'm probably putting them down again i tried to do gran turismo recently in vr and i sort of said yeah i'm gonna go back to <laughs> the tv and control but that's me I'm, I'm 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 just i don't think i'm the right audience for it um but um uh, i do feel like vr is a thing i just i'm just not entirely convinced it's um ever going to be particularly substantial but I, we need something to, to ignite people and go oh we've got to get one now and i don't know what that thing is yeah i thought Sea smash was brilliant i think there's loads of there's loads of good games in Great that game. kind of tier but um yeah, it's the big stuff that kind of sells the, the platforms that isn't quite there. Um, let's uh, skip this final story because we are running long this week uh, and go straight into games. Uh, a few week, Well, last week Andy revealed that he'd been jet-setting off to LA to catch COVID and while he wasn't catching COVID, he was playing a bit of Alan Wake 2. Andy, tell us all about it because this looks like a banger. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be, or it could be a real sleeper hit, this game. Um, I mean, you know, everyone knows that Remedy always kind of deliver a, 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 if in within their genre. They're really good at what they do and making these kind of cinematic character led single player games. Um, and this like it feels like the ultimate rem- the most Remedy Remedy game they've done. I mean, yes. I, I got to spend some time with Sam Lake and I asked him this like because it's uh, they're like an enigma, right? So like you're a publicly listed independent developer who's been around for 30 years um you make you know critically acclaimed but not commercially hugely successful you know like narrative thrillers and you're still doing it like and they're still really good at it like and and it feels like this game feels like the ultimate version of the games they were making 20 years ago um they're not i mean okay yeah he did point out look we do have actually have some multiplayer stuff gestating in the background they've been trying to they've been kind of gestating a multiplayer project for ages um but it just it's great like it's it it will live and die on its um on its on its key mechanics like it's quite ambitious their whole thing with this game is that uh they want to make the narrative more involved with the gameplay um the the original game and and this is really depressing that i went back and found my original alan wake review from 13 years ago um even more depressing is when you laugh at your own 13 year old jokes um, <laughs> and um that's what i remember of that game is that and a lot of games of that era like gears of war was like this as well and probably every like a triple a kind of like narrative game of that era was like you get some story then murder then some more story then more murder you know it was like shooting gallery was the only thing that they knew how to like involve the player and padding out the story and 
they're very remedy are very like aware of that uh, um and that was their big thing here is like well, okay so they're kind of like they've hit two birds with one stone with the dual character setup so alan wake is like stuck in this nightmare in this nightmare world called the dark place where he's um he he's like kind of like ideas manifest in reality and stuff um but more interesting to me was that the other character a saga who is an fbi agent investigating a murder in like the the real world like kind of um pacific northwest twin peaks style um and if um basically if the first game was inspired by twin peaks this is very much inspired by true detective it's like a grisly like resident evil-esque like you know forest landscape with murder and cults and and so what they've done is they've added this uh, mechanic called the mind place where you can pause the game at any point you don't actually pause it they they stress that you can die but you can go into your head and then you're in this like mock fbi office where there's a case board and a profile desk and you can like profile characters that you've met in the games find out more about them and the case board is like this physical manifestation of the plot like of the of the the investigation so she'll have like she'll have photographs and notes in her like possession like it'll come up down the bottom of things that you found out like oh there's a lock safe oh this guy said that the key for the uh, trailer park is over here oh the, the key box is locked but i found a note saying someone used a screwdriver you know and you can place them on the board and that she'll saga will make her own connections between them like and explain her point of view so it's like you you feel like you're physically involved in solving the plot, even though it's quite handholdy. Like they told me that that was a nightmare trying to balance that thing, you know. Um, and, and I'll say from my point of view, it wasn't a demo. They dropped us in the middle of the game, so for most of it, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like I was just spamming <laughs> X on this thing, you know. Um, you know, didn't didn't have a clue. Um, and then, but the the, the really pleasing thing is how um. They mirror that with Alan because the theme of the, the game is, is du- like duality. So on Alan's side, instead of like a mind place, he's got like a writer's room. So it's all similar mechanics, except he's manifest, he's manipulating reality with his one. So he's got a plot board and he'll put down um, plot points um, and it will change the world. Like, so you, you're investigating like a murder in a hotel, like a cult uh, ritual, and you can go to specific rooms like the ballroom and you can manipulate them to like, Oh, the pre-show like, and it will like almost like change back time to that point in the story. Or like, or, you know, you can change to like nightmare and then it all, everything will go mental and there's all like monsters in there and stuff. Um, it's quite a, a, a cool demonstration of like the, the SST, the SSD, sorry, um, movement, uh, where you just, you can just change the, the rooms you're in, like manipulate them, uh, you know, kind of like on the spot. So it kind of, I think the the game will live or die based on whether that pays off. Because again, it was difficult to get a a grasp of it because they dropped me right in the middle of the game, and it it could be quite trial and error at that point because I hadn't been onboarded, I hadn't done a tutorial. A lot of the case board, it was like I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, you know, it's very hands off. Like it's the anti, the anti like Sony AAA game where you wait sixty seconds and some geezer's telling you where to go. <laughs> right, it won't. Like I, they, they, the, the developers watched in pain while I just wandered around for 20 minutes trying to work out what the bloody hell to do before they just told me. But I think if I, with onboarding, like the, the case board is supposed to solve that. Like if you don't know where to go, oh, you go and put it on board. Oh, and then you kind of work it out. Um, 
So, yeah, it will live or die on whether they, they manage to really execute on that in the full game because it's either going to be like really refreshing, uh, you know, kind of narrative shooter or it's going to be a bit flawed. But think, either way, 7 out of 10 is great, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that footage looked fantastic. Like, I love Control, I love Alan Wake. Um, and the the mix between the kind of live action stuff and the 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 actual, like, renders and stuff like that all looks brilliant what i was surprised with was um a couple of times in the footage you sent me you died because you're terrible at games and um there was a flash like it all let's all like, oh yeah there's some really in. cheap asshole uh jump scares <laughs> the the one i'm talking about i'm not going to spoil but it was like it was like something out of live leak like it was just a, a few frames that i had to slow down in premiere pro but i was like okay oh, they're actually going this, pretty is this the lake was it in the lake like no this was this was um this was just i think it was in that hotel section like th- when when you die in that game it goes like and shows you a load of creepy shit and then says like oh the story didn't go that way play it again andy stop being shit at games <laughs> and in that i slowed it down and i was like fucking hell that's looks crazy um it's a beautiful looking game was that on was that pc you were playing yeah we're playing on pc we're playing on pc yeah, that that would be. It one is, it's a properly properly gorgeous game. Yeah, it's really really pretty. I saw some people whinging that it's thirty frames per second, but it's not fucking Devil May Cry. It's actually the <laughs> slowest paced game you can imagine. If any game suits thirty frames, it's this. Um, yeah, I love the I um, love Alan Wake and uh, Alan Wake. I recently did Alan Wake remastered, and I loved it so much. And um and um, uh, but I went did the remastered version, and you're right, like it's. It's like really good. Oh, now you're going to walk through the woods for an hour. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, that's okay. And the thing is, it's probably because I was, and then obviously I know that that's not what they're doing this time. And and I'm, I'm, I, it's actually one of my most, ex- I'm really, really excited for it. And um, um, I kind of love the fact that the first game had a bit of a nightmare development and then couldn't get the sequel off the ground at all. And they just really persisted. Like, they were, we're going to, we want to do this. We want to, we want to bring back Anna Wake and then manage to make it happen. And I just, I just, um, I'm really, I just want it, I want it to do well. It's coming out in a really tough window. Um, it's not got a physical version, so it won't be able to benefit from like the Black Friday boost that you get around games. And for everyone whinging about that, by the way, they're, they're really not lying about the, the digital thing where they said it'll help them kind of get it out quicker. Um, they're, they're still working on the game now, to my knowledge. Like um, Sam Lake was telling me, like, I mean, the game's out in, I want to say, three weeks. Yep. So I saw it just over a week ago and they were still, they were still working on it. Yeah. Like they're fixing bugs and, and stuff like that, which obviously not having, to, I mean, they, it, you could do it, a day one you, patch and stuff, but it's just one layer of cert less. But you have to get, do a day one patch. You still need to have a basic working game, right? If you, you, you need to develop, you need to have the, you need to have had the pipeline. So the game is basically done. Yeah. The game, the game, the game. I mean, obviously I played the final game and it was, it was, you know, it's solid, but there was, you know, there was noticeable glitches and issues and stuff. Um, it, I think it's quite clear that it's coming in. Uh, do you know what? Every game this year is coming in hot. That's that's the post-pandemic remote working life. Every game this year is coming in hot. Um, yeah, I, but I really, really can't wait for it. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. You sound like it, mate. You sound overjoyed. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely, because like, I'm sitting there going, oh, it's like Spider-Man and Mario and so of stuff. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's be properly brilliant. Like, even if it doesn't quite now, it's, it's some of its mechanics or it's got some bugs I just, or whatever. I love the fact. It's going to be, at the very least, it's going to be a really fucking memorable, interesting game. 
I love the fact that it's a little bit like, because you mentioned Twin Peaks, like the first Twin Peaks was kind of a bit folksy and not too violent. I think it's been played out as well. Like, do we need more fucking Twin Peaks? But Twin Twin Peaks The Return was dark and violent. And um, it was also had the main character who'd been disappeared for many, many years and suddenly reappeared in the world again. And I just thought, I just feel, you mentioned to check maybe it is that, but it gave me a Twin Peaks The Return vibe. Um, well, from what I've seen of it so far, but you've seen I it. love how there's the point of it. They've just basically gone, fuck it, and gone, yeah, next to, like, the town in the original game, Bright Falls, there's another town that's basically full of Finnish Im- immigrants, just so they can put tons <laughs> of, like, Finnish people in there. There's, like, the janitor from Control singing karaoke and... <laughs> Just lots of crazy finished stuff. That guy's that guy's voice is amazing. It's, it sets the tone so well. I, I was big, like when I was there on this trip. It was in in LA. I was um, like uh, with the um, the kind of the the dev team at, at dinner, and I was like begging the guy, "Can can I speak to the janitor? Like, is he here?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope it does really well. I'd love a control too. There's 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 so much kind of. I mean, obviously they're doing that that Max Payne uh, thing that you spoke. You tried to get something out of them very briefly. Um, do you, do you think they use Sam Lake for Max Payne, Andy? I know they said no comment, but do you think they do it? <clears throat> I think the fact that you said no comment suggests yeah. something, right? So I, I thought they, they they didn't really want me to ask that question, but I snuck it in. It was one of those going. I want to ask one more, one more, one more, one more. <laughs> Tell me about Max Payne. You know, it sounds really significant. So I think people have underplayed that because they, they're weird. They just snuck it out a press release and. Again, maybe it was a hiring thing, whatever. But and they were like, "Yeah, we we're remaking the first two games in one pa- in one package." And it's like, but the way that he spoke about it was like, "No, we're combining the two games like into one big like into a new game." Basically, he uh, said that it's yeah. all going to be brought up to they they need to remake that like remake a whole fucking new game. Basically, by the sound of it, he said, everything needs to come up to modern standards. Um, he's going to be Northlight Engine. Remedy don't do stuff where it's just like, yeah, we do something nice and simple like we did last time. They do things like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a video game, and you know what we're going to do? Especially because Rockstar are, fund- Rockstar are funding it as well. Like the fact oh, that yeah. Rockstar are involved, that raises the bar again. Well, apart yeah. from, yeah, okay, other than their shit remasters they've done recently. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you're right. I'm I don't know. But that's gonna it's gonna look even more weird, isn't it? If there's like just a big Sam Lake like farting face in 4K. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of dressed like Max Payne, uh, and 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 the and a lot of the, he's in the every Alan fucking stuff. remedy game, right? He's in every yeah. remedy game. He's in this one heavily. I think I got about mm. twenty minutes of Sam Lake just playing <laughs> this for a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, I mean, you have to think he's going to be in there, right? He's also he's coming to uh, EGX, by the way. If anyone wants to come and meet him and uh, hear a wonderful panel hosted by an incredible host. Um, uh, so who, who would that be? That's uh, just a guy called Driss Kring. He's uh, oh. he's um, uh, so that's on the. Yeah. I'm looking forward to him coming over. Like, you know. Thank you. Can sneak me in TGX class, you know, people. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think you can come. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can sort that out for you. Yeah, it's it's just a shame that to get to London from Glasgow because the trains are fucked. It's about six billion pounds. Um, but other than that, I missed when it was in Birmingham because the 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 NEC had loads of wee shops around it. I met Shuhi Yoshida in an RS McCall's at the NEC. It's full of beautiful memories. Amazing. The fun, fun thing with the Birmingham NEC is before they've now got the Elizabeth line, because London Excel is actually a pain to get to. It's a lot it easier is. now. But Pokemon Warriors was there and it was a pain in the hole. They've got, I love like, how everyone, win, everyone in the games industry whinges when they have to, they have to go like, east. 
Yeah, I've had to go west <laughs> for my entire life. It's like, oh, this is brilliant, really easy to get to. This is like Kensington. If, if you, flew, you know, if you flew, as soon as you have to go to like you know a major convention centre next to a major airport, like slightly east London, move somewhere proper. <laughs> the um, the uh, what, what I was going to say is that if you flew into Heathrow to go to EGX. Not now. You'd be flying into the wrong airport. (laughs) It's literally next to City. If you flew into Birmingham, you'd be like going a long way as well. Well, Jordan, my, my, my commercial managers from Glasgow as well. So, you know, you want you to sort of, you know, have a little road trip to EGX. And and I know your commercial manager. Nice man. I certainly do. I'm just going to, that's fine. So I can, I can expense it to GI then. Uh, (laughs) It's tradition. That is what we do. (laughs) That's <laughs> what you do for dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. Um, I was going to talk more about EAFC, but honestly, I've been so pish at it this week that I just don't want to speak about it. It's it's, it's really depressing because this is st- it's still not out. This has been the week of early access, so only the people that paid top dollar for it mm. are are playing it. And the amount of professional players I've matched up against is really really harrowing um but if you'd like to send any questions about how shit i am at eafc or what kind of things that chris will happily expense for you you can do so to podcast at videogameschronicle.com thank you for listening thanks as always to grant kirkhope for the vgc podcast theme follow myself on twitter at jordan midler andy at andy underscore vgc which is still wrong uh, and chris at chris underscore drang hopefully the rest of the day will be pretty quiet you get much on today chris uh, I do. I've got a FIFA interview, actually. I need to uh, transcribe and get out. And um, FIFA or the EAFC? Uh, so, yeah, EAFC. Well, it's actually about... <laughs> Band. It's about, it's, it's about the transition from one to the other. It's about the brand. It's a very business article. It's about how they've approached rebranding it. So, yeah. mm. Can you ask them why they've done absolutely fuck all for this entry? Anyway, Andy, you get much on today. Um, I'm going to put some uh, footage of Mario Wonder footage up, actually. Um, I was Ooh. playing that yesterday. Um, so I'm allowed to to put uh, some some quantum of footage on the internet. Apparently, <laughs> you can put a, who does the voice? Do you know? Is it obvious? I was I was asking yesterday, going like, surely you've, the first thing you've done is gone to the credits. Yeah, everyone's playing dumb. Nope, mm. no idea. Yeah, of course. Um, Can't wait to see general. that leak on a Discord server anonymously yeah. during the review period actually lawrence fox quite a change um, <laughs> say goodbye andy goodbye <laughs> say goodbye chris goodbye i will see you next week vgc a video games podcast is a stack production and part of the acast creative network